Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Joining us is our other host, TJ Inman. He'll be along here shortly in a matter of moments. Uh, Last night, we previewed the Big Ten East. Tonight, we moved to the other side of the conference and previewed the Big Ten West. We'll go through all the teams like we did last night uh, and then at the end, give our predictions. I do have some updates on the site. Uh, We are getting close to putting together uh, some Hoosier Huddle uh, t-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, stuff like that. An order form will go out on our site, uh, hopefully in the next couple weeks. And then you guys could order and have it ready for uh, the start of the season. Uh, so please do that. We'll, we'll send out everything you need and instructions and all of that. So uh, hopefully uh, you like the things that that we have and and um, buy them up and help support uh, support the site. Uh, TJ, back to back days. Talk college football. How are you doing? I'm great. Yes, uh, apparel line, uh, very exciting. I know we're uh, you, know, you showed uh, or talked to us about some of the options earlier, and uh, I know that all all of our staff are very excited about. Um, you know, the stuff that's going to be available, I think it's going to look great. And uh, I do think that it's, you know, it's priced at a, um, I think it's very fair. And uh, like you said, you know, you guys will be able to purchase things that, number one, I think they're going to look great. Number two, support IU. Number support our site. And, uh, you know, if you enjoy the content you get uh, from us, if you enjoy the uh, the articles and the podcasts and, and all that, we'd love to be able to keep doing it uh, the same way that we are. So I think it's a great opportunity for everyone. I'm looking forward to that. And like you said, second straight day of uh, season preview stuff. Today we um, wrap up our Big Ten, take a look at the West, and then we'll proceed to more of a national scope later on. But I'm very excited to talk about the other Big Ten division. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's not – the, the junior circuit, uh, so to speak, but uh, the Big Ten West is uh, not the headliner that the Big Ten East is. They don't have the traditional powers of Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, uh, but they do feature some good teams. They feature the traditional Big Ten football where, the, the, you know, you're going to get your head knocked in and, and people are going to try and run the ball, and, and you've got some new coaches on that side as well. Um, but let's start with uh, who I think we both think are going to win the division. Uh, let's start with Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I definitely think they are the class of this division. Uh, and I think it's a safe – I personally think they're the third best team in the league. Uh, I'd slot them ahead of Michigan this year uh, and then behind Penn State and Ohio State, although it would not stun me if, uh, you know, if this Wisconsin team went out and was able to to win 
the Big Ten title game because it's you know it's one game and uh, things can happen in one game. But um, you know they lost their defensive coordinator again, so this will be the, the third straight year uh, that they're breaking in, um, or this will be their their third coordinator in three years. Uh, Dave Aranda gone, and then Wilcox gone uh, to Cal, and now they're, they're going to bring in a uh, former player again to uh, lead this defense. Um, I I think that they're going to be pretty good at defense. I think you might see a little bit of a step back just because of the turnover at linebacker. Uh, Vince Beagle is is gone. Um, he didn't play a ton last year. Uh, T.J. Watt is a big loss, and that that's going to hurt. T.J. Edwards and Jack Sishy, I think, though, the interior linebackers are going to be good, and they've got some decent pieces at outside linebacker that could turn into really good ones. Uh, somebody like Garrett Dooley and then Leon Jacobs is a player that uh, he's more of a pass rush hybrid type they're going to look to to kind of uh, kind of take over what they lost with Watt. Um, they've got some good pieces behind them as well. So pretty good depth at linebackers. So that's the big one uh, that you might be concerned about. But really, I don't think it's going to be that big of a, an issue. And then the secondary is in good shape. A couple of starters plus a couple of, uh, a couple of guys that got a lot of experience last year. Um, and then they bring in a transfer from Hawaii by the name of Nick Nelson that really impressed a lot of people in the spring. Uh, he might start as well. Uh, I think it defensive line is going to be very interesting. Uh, they've got a player by the name of Isaiah Loudermilk that is gigantic. There are some photos of him uh, from spring practice. He's, he's very, very big for a defensive end. Uh, moves pretty well, apparently. Impressed people in the spring game. Uh, Alec James and Connor Sheehy both back as well. So, you know, a few personnel losses, but still it's hard to expect anything other than a top 15 defense because that's what they've shown us. That's that's who they are now. So until they prove otherwise, you've got to expect it's going to continue. Offensively, Alex Hornerbrook has got to be better if Wisconsin is going to get to the level uh, that I think they could reach this season. Um, all he's been so far in game manager, if he can yeah. pick that up a little bit and they can go from – you know, around 50th in the country in offense. If he can pick it up a little bit, they could have themselves a top 25 offense, and then you're really cooking with gas uh, because their defense is going to allow them to be in any game. So if their offense can pick it up uh, from that kind of top 50-ish level to a top 25-ish level, uh, you're, you're really talking about a very, very good team as opposed to just a really solid one. Um, I do like their running backs, but it's not really sure which one of them is going to step up. Boss Corey Clement, Boss Darek, Um they get back uh, Taiwan Deal and then Chris James and Bradrick Shaw. I think those three overall might be actually better than than the two that they're replacing. There's more top-end speed there, more explosiveness. You do lose a little bit of power, but uh, still none of these guys are, you know, um, soft at all. And the offensive line, you know, returning, returning quite a few good players. And then I really like the fullbacks. Uh, Wisconsin uses them very well. Austin Ramish, Alex Ingold, 
Um, they're just versatile players that are almost kind of like H-backs or super-backs sort of uh, blockers. They're going to get a few carries a game. They're going to get a few catches a game. They do a lot of things for that offense, and they're both back. And then tight end and, and receiver, they've got Chaz Peavy, who's good, and they have Troy Fumagalli, who is possibly the best tight end in the country, uh, certainly, I think, the best in the Big Ten. And then, you know, you look at their schedule, and uh, it's very favorable. I mean, they've got Utah State, Port Atlantic, and BYU at the non-conference, and then you're getting Northwestern at home, you're getting Minnesota at home, or I'm sorry, you're at Minnesota, uh, your cross-division games, you're getting Maryland, you're getting Indiana on the road, and you're getting Michigan uh, at home. So uh, that's, that's as, about, about as, as good as you could get. Yeah, yeah minus, and, minus getting Rutgers. Um, but I, I really – I look at their schedule, and to be honest, I'd be really surprised if they don't win 10 or more games. Uh, I think anything less than 10 wins would be considered a pretty pretty big disappointment uh, for Wisconsin fans this year, and I think they they run away with this division. I think they win it by at least um, – I'll say, I'll say two games. I think they win the division by two games. Yeah, the, the schedule, looking at that schedule, it, it sets up very well for them. What it doesn't set up yeah. well for is if you do run the table, you don't really – have that resume unless you beat Ohio State right. or Penn State. You better hope one of those teams makes the playoff or makes uh, the Big Ten championship game and you play them and, and get that feather in the cap for the playoff because uh, all you have is you have a home game against Michigan. Iowa, we'll talk about Iowa a little bit later. I'm not overly impressed with them, uh, but you know, then you have your West teams at Nebraska. Again, it's we'll see. Uh, they have a lot of turnover on that in their non-conference schedule, I mean, Utah state, Florida, it's like last year, they played LSU at a neutral site to start the year. So it was, you know, they had a, a few resume building wins. Uh, if you go yeah. to BYU and win, that's a nice win, but BYU is, is not going to be a, you know, a top 15 uh, team. That's going to be, make you say, let's put Wisconsin in the playoff. Uh, TJ, as far as their yeah. offense goes, you gave them a little bit more credit uh, than they were due. Uh, overall, they they were total offense ranked 89th in the nation, 104th passing, 39th rushing, and 67th in scoring. Uh, Bart Houston threw for nine touchdowns, seven interceptions, uh, about a little under uh, 1,300 yards. Uh, so, yeah. you know, when I was doing our, our quarterback preview for opponents, you know, I, I went back and forth between Bart Houston and Bart Brian Lewarkey, but after watching our uh, not Houston Hornerbrook, Hornerbrook, sorry, yeah, um, Hornerbrook, no. uh, watching some of those Wisconsin games, he just didn't make the plays that needed to be made to knock off a team like Ohio State uh, and, and yeah. win, you know, games against Penn State as well. So we'll see what Wisconsin does next up. Uh, let's go to. Uh, let's go to Northwestern. Northwestern is an interesting team. I think they, they, they're probably the second best team in the West in terms of uh, returning talent. Uh, they've got the running back, Justin Jackson, who we're both high on. We were high on last year. He's an all American caliber running back. Uh, he's a different kind of runner than Saquon Barkley. 
uh, but Northwestern uh, goes as he goes. And then you have Clayton Thorson uh, back as well. And we'll see what they could do. And, and Godwin Iwabuki in, in the secondary. But Thorson is going to be better. They do have to replace Austin Carr. Uh, but Justin Jackson, if they could get Justin Jackson going, keep him healthy. Uh, and when he runs well, Northwestern plays well. Their non-conference games are Nevada at home at Duke. Bowling Green, that's a perfect schedule for a team like Northwestern, who's uh, not a perennial contender for, for the, the division title, but they're a team that, that'll go bowling uh, more times than not, and that's a nice schedule where you, you should win at least two out of three. A game at Duke, probably a toss-up, uh, but Northwestern should walk away with that at Wisconsin, uh, is tough, and then their crossover games are Penn State at Maryland and Michigan State. So not the easiest slate there, uh, but they do finish the season up with Purdue, Minnesota, and at Illinois. If they could get through that first four, five, six Big Ten games, uh, treading water, and, and they'll probably have to knock off Wisconsin, they could make that division race a little bit interesting there at the end. Uh, but you're right, Wisconsin's the class of this division, and I wouldn't be surprised if they wrap this wrap this division up before, uh, you know, that second week in November. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I like Northwestern's program. I think there's a lot to admire there. Um, and I, I think it's something that uh, a level of success that, as an Indiana fan, I, I, I would be very happy to get to. Um, and I don't think that it's entirely out of Indiana's reach. Uh, so, you know, I, I admire Fitzgerald as a coach, and I, I think that uh, I think Northwestern has a very nice program, and Justin Jackson is a really fun player to watch. Um, I do worry a little bit about their offense, mainly the receiving core. Uh, I just I don't think that replacing Austin Carr is going to be something that they're able to do with the guys that I see on the roster. I could be wrong well, about that. Especially, especially um, now that they lost Solomon Bolt for the year uh, with, yeah. with a, I believe it was a knee injury, but he, he's done for the year. He was one of the best kick returners and could yep. be that explosive, um, that explosive wide receiver that they, that they were looking for, but their offensive line should be better. Uh, and if they could find somebody, Flynn Nagel's a candidate to, to take over as one of those, as uh, one of those guys to step up, like Austin Carr last year, you know he's a former walk-on, uh, and, and he kind of came out of the blue to to be one of the best receivers in the Big Ten last year. So hopefully they could catch lightning on a bottle again, and, and with that receiving core. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think that receiver is is probably the biggest issue, uh, and then linebacker, um, you know, replacing. Anthony Walker is now a Colt. Um, replacing him is going to be very tough because defenses really had to key in on him. He drew a lot of attention and made things easier for other guys. So without him, uh, you do wonder a little bit about whether or not they've got the defensive playmakers to produce the way that they have the past couple of seasons. Yeah, and, and they've 
been a defensive-oriented team the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I think of yeah. Northwestern, I think of the offense, but that goes back to the early 2000s uh, when, when Kevin Wilson was there. But it, it's another – it's a solid Northwestern team. I'd be shocked if they yeah. don't win. You know, if they – they squeak out six games. I'll be a little bit shocked. If they don't go to a bowl game, I'd be very shocked. It's a manageable schedule. They have some good good home games. You play Purdue, Minnesota, Iowa, Michigan State, and Penn State at home. You figure you're, you're going to win at least three of those. You're at Illinois to end the year. You figure that, that should be a win. And then the, the Nebraska and Northwestern have played some unbelievable games since Nebraska uh, came back into the or came into the Big Ten. So that game, who knows what's going to happen uh, in that game? And then you know, it's if they want to win the division, it goes through Wisconsin, and traveling to Wisconsin is extremely tough. And that that game comes September thirtieth. Uh, but Wisconsin or Northwestern should be a, a solid set, you know. Two, number two, number three team in, in that division. All right, let's move on yeah. to Minnesota. Okay. Um, obviously, the big news for the Gophers, uh, and potentially for the Big Ten West, is the hiring of P.J. Fleck, uh, mainly boat. due to off-the-field issues with Tracy Clays. Um, much like Kevin Wilson, I think people felt like he was doing a good job uh, but there are issues with the, uh, the administration um, and the way that Tracy Clays handled some things uh, that occurred off the field, disciplinary things, and then philosophical issues between the two. So they they made the move to to get PJ Fleck, and um, you know they were definitely roundly applauded for uh, for their move to get Fleck. And I I do think that over time he's going to be able to really turn Minnesota potentially, um, I mean, and the, the opportunities there for Minnesota to jump up and, and be kind of the second program in the West after Wisconsin. Uh, there's no reason that can't happen. Um, yeah, well, the big question with P.J. Fleck is, you know, was he holding out for a, a bigger job and didn't get it, and then the uh, Minnesota came open late and he took it for to get out of, uh, Western Michigan, or is this, you know, PJ Flex going to be there for, for a decade and help build the culture and, and build much like uh, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, build a contender yeah. who could, you know, play with Wisconsin, all that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if, if he's a guy who, if they win eight or nine games, you know, somebody big is going to be calling, um, calling his name. There, there are a lot of, big programs where, and we'll talk about a few in the West who might have coaches on the hot seat uh, already. And, and Notre Dame is another program. Brian Kelly's on the hot seat. If, it, if they don't go to a bowl game again this year, uh, which they might not do, or, or if they struggle and get six wins, uh, he might be out. So PJ Flex stock could still be soaring, especially if he does well at Minnesota, but you know, they, there's a lot of questions too. They lose Mitch Leidner, who shockingly, yep. since he did not go in the first round of the NFL draft, which I think no. either Todd, Todd McShay or or um, Mel Kiper had him right after two years ago's draft. They had him as a watch out for for a first round pick. But um, if you've seen Mitch Leidner plays, big guy he can run and throw. They're going to miss him. He he was a, a solid college football 
uh, quarterback, and, and he fit Minnesota well. Uh, the running backs, you, you get um, you get Rodney Smith back, and I believe you get uh, Shannon Brooks. You, yep, you get Shannon Brooks back. You get both of those back. If you have any type of passing game, you should be okay. Connor wrote it. Looks like uh, wrote as a senior with one career start um, at Maryland. He won. Yes, and and so far, I, what I've seen of Connor Rhoda, um, similar to Mitch Leitner, but a little bit lesser version of it. It's not a huge difference, and it's possible that Rhoda, with you know getting the entirety of the first team snaps uh, throughout an off season, plus you know a new new voice uh, guiding him it's possible that, that he is able to, to equal what Mitch Leitner gave them. Um, Demery Croft is the other option. Uh, again, we don't really know what these guys are going to be capable of under PJ Fleck. Now, Drew Altarski is their top receiver. He's gone. So for wise is Rashad still who looks the part, but he only had 18 catches last season and that's their top returning wide receiver. Um, I, I I think that they have some okay options behind him, but it is a concern. Uh, the tight ends are, are really good. A duo of them, Nate Wozniak or Brandon Lincoln. Uh, I think that they'll both be able to uh, – I think that they'll be relied upon heavily. It'll be the tight ends. It'll be, uh, I think, some uh, a ton of, of Brooks and uh, a ton of Smith, who was second last year in the conference in, in rushing touchdowns. He had 16 of them. A ton of those two guys, um, and then you know play action over the top to, to Rashad Still or, or Eric Carter or Tyler Johnson, who are, are speedy guys but have so far not proven anything. Um, during spring practice, they were down to six healthy offensive linemen. Uh, the depth issues are going to continue into the season. They're going to probably be starting a freshman along the offensive line at center, uh, and they've got mostly proven upperclassmen that are going to be stepping into starting roles. So the offensive line really kind of doing a, a reset here. Um, the defense, uh, really, they continue to be really good on defense. And then, you know, despite the coaching turnover, I I find myself thinking Minnesota's defense is going to be pretty good. They've been top 25 in the country for two seasons in a row. I think talent is there for it to continue. Um, I, I, I think that they've got some really good players, Antonio or Antoine Winfield Jr. His father was an NFL player, longtime NFL player. Uh, he's a very good secondary piece. Looks like a future All Big Ten player. And then uh, the senior linebacker Jonathan Celestin is a potential All Big Ten linebacker this year. Got a couple of talented sophomores that will join him. Uh, the defensive line is is just fine. Um, I think it's going to be. A very good secondary, led by Winfield, a very good linebacker group, and then a decent defensive line. But, again, depth on the line is a concern. It's a surprise to hear that depth on both lines is a concern for Minnesota, but it's where they're at. Um, I do think it can be a top 25 defense again. And until I see them fall out of that, uh, you know, I'm I'm inclined to say that they're going to produce again. So until we see otherwise, I think you'll see Minnesota – uh, perform pretty well on defense, okay on offense. I think Fleck will get that thing rolling. They need a quarterback, and they need more of a passing game. 
but for now it's going to be just really physical football like you'd expect. Non-conference, a very interesting game, second week of the season at Oregon State, a team that a lot of people feel like uh, will still be towards the bottom of the Pac-12, but is improving under Gary Anderson, the former Wisconsin coach, getting better, and that's a home game for them against Minnesota. Uh, that'll be a, an opportunity for them to kind of stamp themselves as being a rising team. So that's a big one. And then so uh, the cross-division games. Maryland, Middle Tennessee is not easy either. Yeah. No, and then their crossovers, Maryland, Michigan State, and yeah. uh, at Michigan. So it's not the easiest, right. uh, not the most difficult, but, you know, it's going to come down to those two non-conference games at the beginning of the year. Can they win at Oregon State, and how do they bounce back from – if they do lose that, how do they bounce back against a middle Tennessee C State team that's a good group of five team, uh, and that game's at home. And then, you know, you get Maryland and right. Purdue – We've got a, a nice lead-in for for the Big Ten, uh, Michigan State, Illinois, and then it gets hard at the end with at Iowa, at Michigan, Nebraska at home, at Northwestern, and Wisconsin. So this team could get off to a fast start and end the year with a thud. Um, so we'll see. I, I think they go bowling again, but we'll see. It's all it, you know those two September non-conference games uh, with Oregon State and Middle Tennessee will determine the future of uh, of Minnesota for, for bull bids this year. Uh, let's move on to Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska is an interesting case. They looked like they were back last year on paper. Uh, they climbed, you know, into the top 10. I think they were ranked uh, as high as number six, but nobody was sold on them. Uh, they no. beat Oregon at home in a game where Oregon missed like Four, they went for two, like four times and missed it. Uh, it. It was a game Oregon should have won, but Oregon was terrible last year. And that game uh, was at Nebraska. This year, they go to Oregon. Uh, Willie Taggart uh, should have those guys ready. It's it's a tough place to play in Austin. I think the last Big Ten team to win there was Indiana uh, in twenty uh, in two thousand four, but. Uh, the Brass is losing their three big guys on, on offense. They lose uh, Tommy Armstrong, Jordan Westerkamp, uh, and Stephen Carter, their tight end. Uh, they do return Stanley Morgan Jr. and DeMorne Pearson L. Uh, they bring in Tanner Lee, who's a transfer from Tulane. Uh, how he he probably fits, um, fits Mike Riley's offense a little bit better, but – Tommy Armstrong and Jordan Westerkamp were the heart and soul of that team uh, a year yep. ago, and, and we'll see what they do. They also lose uh, senior safety uh, Nathan Jerry, or Nick Gary, uh, and he, he was the heart and soul of that defense. And, and you have to – they lost their punter, Sam Fultz, last year in a tragic accident, and you have to wonder – what's the toll on that this year? Last year, it could have been an inspiration. We saw it in 07 with, with the Hoosiers when Coach Hep passed away, kind of inspired the team to play for him. And, and 2008, kind of it went downhill. You went from seven wins to three wins. We'll see what kind of impact that has on, on Nebraska this year. But their schedule, it, 
if they could get by Oregon, they should go 3-0. They get Arkansas State at home, Northern Illinois at home, uh, and then they start, again, an easy, uh, smooth transition into Big Ten with Rutgers and at Illinois, and then it gets tough. You get Wisconsin and Ohio State at home back-to-back weekends. Uh, you get a little bit of a break going to Purdue, although Nebraska the last time there lost. And then you have Northwestern, and then it, it gets tough again with trips to Minnesota, Penn State, and Iowa. This, I just don't know if this team can win those games. You've got back-to-back trips to Minnesota and Penn State. That's tough. Penn State's a far trip for Nebraska. you got Ohio State and Wisconsin back-to-back weekends. It's tough to – you know, those are physical teams that will beat you up. And Nebraska fan, we'll see what Nebraska fans are like. Uh, that Mike Riley was not their first choice as head coach, and then he followed that up with a, uh, a six and seven, uh, six and seven season where they actually won five games, got into a bowl on the technicality, and and went to the Foster Farms Bowl. But what is their reaction going to be? when they were so used to going not Bo Pelini got fired for maybe being a jerk, but he won nine games a year. Uh, and that was part of the reason. So how many seasons are they going to go without nine wins uh, consecutively and without being what Nebraska football used to be before Husker fans get a little bit restless, a little bit more restless with Mike Riley and he's on the hot seat. He's a guy who, if they go six and six or five and seven, could be uh, finding his way out of Lincoln. Yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, since we are short on time here, I'll kind of speed through Iowa since Indiana does not play them. Um, big concern for running the offense, and if you don't believe me, just listen to what the offensive coordinator, Kirk Ferentz's son, Brian Ferentz, had to say uh, in an interview after spring. He admitted to being very concerned about the offense, uh, he thought that anyone that thought they had a good spring was lying to you. Um, and it's easy to see why. I mean, they return only two pass catchers with any kind of experience. One of those is Matt Vandenberg. He's a good player, but um, not the guy that you probably want to rely on as your only experienced receiver. And then after him, it's uh, the running back, Akron Wadley. LaShawn uh, Daniels is gone. George Kittle, their underrated tight end, is gone. All their receiver depth is gone. So they're going to be relying on Vandenberg, Akram Wadley, and then a bunch of question marks. I mean, there there's some guys that are um, were rated as as you know high three star recruits coming out of high school, but this early in their careers, or it's late in their careers, and if so, there's a reason they haven't played yet. Uh, quarterback is going to be either sophomore Nate Stanley or junior Tyler Weegers. Neither is particularly impressive. Both are going to be a step down from C.J. Beathard. The only real positive for the off- or for the uh, for this unit is the offensive line, which is going to be good. Uh, All-American right guard Sean Welsh. They got Boone Myers. They got Ike Foster. Uh It's a really good veteran group with three seniors and two juniors. Uh, they're the only reason for optimism on the offense. The defense is a more positive story. Uh, it's another West defense is good. Uh, Desmond King's gone, but you know, really, defensive coordinator uh, Phil Parker has got a got himself a good group again. Secondary is a little bit of a question mark, but they should be okay. 
the linebacker is going to be excellent. Josie Jewell is really fun to watch. I think he's a tremendous player, uh, and he'll probably lead the Big Ten in tackles again. Uh, it could be him and, and Tigre Scales kind of battling for that, but I, I do think that uh, Josie Jewell, just because of the, the way that their scheme is set up, I think he probably ends up leading the Big Ten in both and then potentially another All-American season for him. Uh, the defensive line is, you know, it's, it's okay. Uh, should be just fine. I do think the defense overall, just based on the way Iowa plays, they'll probably end up in the top 25 uh, as a defensive unit. Um, they might slip a little bit out of it just because of offensive struggles, but it's going to be a good defense again. Uh, the problem is they're probably not elite enough to make up for what should be uh, an offense that really struggles at yeah, best and they, to equal what last season did, and I don't think that that even occurs. I think there is going to be regression from what they did last year, which wasn't great. Yeah, and, and they have a tough draw out of the East yes. with Penn State Fair. at Michigan State and Ohio State. Uh, that's about as tough as you could get uh, out there. And then you have to go – at Nebraska, um, you do get end at Wisconsin. Just that end yep. at Northwestern. Those are, you know, arguably the top three teams in the division. They're going to have to go there and and, and, they've got and win. On the road. Yeah, and they're on the road at Iowa State. They have a Wyoming team coming in week one. Uh, they might struggle to, to reach a bowl. But let's get to the final two Uh Two in the West, since they do play IU. Uh, let's start with Illinois, with, with Illinois and Lovey Smith. IU travels to Illinois uh, for the first time since 2012. IU does have a two-game winning streak against them, but this program is not what it was uh, since the last time they played. Uh, Lovey Smith is is in his second year coaching. Uh, they're breaking in a new quarterback. It's probably going to be Chase Crouch. Uh, who yep. can throw the ball, and, and but he's more dangerous with his legs. Uh, they do have uh, Kendrick Foster at running back. Uh, he's a guy who's very explosive. And then uh, one of the, the better stories, if he could come back healthy and make a difference, is Mikey Dudak, uh, who tore his ACL, the, missed the whole, last two seasons with torn ACLs. So if he could get back uh, and be productive, he's one of the better freshmen uh, in the Big Ten, Big Ten in uh, – when he last played in 2014, but uh, we'll see. Just this team isn't very good. Uh, it, this Indiana sandwich between trips to Purdue and Ohio State, it, it's at the end of the year in, in November. We'll see where this team is uh, during that, but they have a tough non-conference schedule. Ball State, Western Kentucky comes into Memorial Stadium, and then they go to South Florida they probably go one and two, and then you get Nebraska at Iowa. That's tough first two games, and then you have to go to Minnesota, get Wisconsin at Purdue, where that series has been funny because the, the visitors have won, I think, each of the last four games uh, in, in that series. And then at Ohio State and Northwestern to end the year. It's just this team doesn't have the talent or the depth yet to – to really be competitive, and we'll see if Lovey Smith sticks with it. We'll have uh, Alex Compton, one of our other writers, uh, follows uh, the Illini pr pretty closely, and we'll have him uh, do our preview for them in a couple weeks. Uh, but 
this this might be the worst team uh, in the Big Ten West. It's going to be between them and Purdue. Uh, you know, there's just yep. not much to say right now about Illinois. Positives are Dudek, if he can be healthy, plus Malik Turner, uh, who was their leading receiver last year. He's back. Uh, their running backs are solid. Kendrick Foster, Reggie Corbin are both very explosive backs, not very efficient. Uh, and that was the big problem. I mean, there were multiple problems, obviously, when you're as bad as they were last year. But uh, one of the biggest was uh, Illinois just got dominated in time of possession. They were last in the league in time of possession uh, by over a minute, which is hard to do when you have a historically bad offense like what Rutgers had last year. Uh, they just struggled with efficiency. They struggled to prevent uh, teams from getting first downs on third down. So their third down conversions as a defense was terrible, and their third down conversions as an offense was terrible. When that happens, you lose time of possession. And when you're losing time of possession every game by like eight minutes, you're in for a world of hurt. And Illinois, it's hard to see much reason for optimism right now. I gave you some of the – some of the only things that are looking up for them. And it, it's a game that um, uh, it's a, it's that rare road big 10 game where Indiana is going to be a favorite unless things have totally fallen apart for the Hoosiers. Uh, there's only a few teams that I, you would be, you know, heavily favored against on the road and Illinois is one of them. Uh, so, you know, it's a good opportunity at the end of the season for an IU team that uh, that kicks off a three-game stretch where they can really make some hay. Yeah, and Illinois' strong part, they had a lot of guys drafted, but they, they, they're they losing Hardy Nickerson at linebacker, who is terrific, yeah. Carol Phillips and Dwayne Smoot on, along the defensive line. So their strength now has their to be rebuilt. Is, oh, yeah, their run defense is going to be putrid. It is going to be yeah. really – it was bad. It was bad last year. And everybody that was decent up there is gone. So uh, they're going to get shredded on the ground. Yeah, and now we move on to Purdue. Uh, the old Oak and Bucky game, it's, it's one of the better rivalries uh, in, in the Big Ten. I love it. It brings out the college football uh, and, and two schools who really haven't – Purdue has the history. I use trying to get that history. But they haven't been good at the same time. Uh, Purdue does return uh, some some guys. David Blau led led the Big Ten in passing in the regular season last year, but a lot like Richard Lego, he's uh, he struggled with interceptions. But he does have a big arm. Uh, with Jeff Brom coming in and his uh, air raid type of offense, uh, you know he he could throw for four thousand yards. Uh, they have Markel Jones, who's banged up last year, back at running back. Uh, he's he had a solid freshman year, dipped off last year because of injuries, but he's a guy who they could move around, might move into the slot. Uh, DJ Knox, another good running back, is back. Uh, so this offense does have its playmakers in the backfield. Now, where it gets a little dicey for Purdue is they lose their top three receivers, D'Angelo Yancey, um, Belial Marshall, and Cameron Posey. All those are gone. Their leading receivers, Cole Hart, uh, Cole Herdman. He's a tight end. He's coming back at three touchdowns, 344 yards last year. Uh, you know, they're they're all their running backs are back, but they lose a lot of playmakers on um, in that receiving core. On defense, they lose Jake Replogle, 
who was an outstanding defensive tackle for them. I, Marcus Bailey is back, but they lose Leroy Clark. Uh, Galen Robinson is back, and, and uh, Bailey led them in tackles and interceptions. So they do have some talent, but they don't. I don't think they have enough. IU does go up there. They have a brutal non-conference schedule. Uh, I don't understand what the Purdue AD was thinking at the time of doing this. I, I'm just I'm it's so okay. sick of these. He didn't either. He yeah, didn't either. Well, it's okay. I, it just frustrates me that all these mediocre to bad teams schedule in the future like they're playing for a college football playoff spot. Purdue or Indiana needs a minor miracle uh, to make uh, the college football playoff. They'll need to beat, you know, those big teams in the Big Ten and all their non-conference games. And that just, you know, when you're Purdue's playing Louisville in Indianapolis, so a chance for local college football fans to go see Lamar Jackson, uh, a great quarterback matchup with Jackson and Blau. Uh, they play Ohio, who's a very solid MAC team, who's knocked off some Big Ten teams on the road before, and then they travel to Missouri. Uh, Missouri's not great, uh, but traveling to an SEC school, uh, this team, Purdue could go 0-3 in the non-conference. At best, you're probably looking at 1-2. and uh, and, then you, and then they follow up the non-conference schedule with Michigan, Minnesota, at Wisconsin. So you're looking yep. at they could be winless before a trip to Rutgers uh, October 21st. And that's a t- that game's on the road. That game's at home. I, I would make Purdue the favorite uh, heavily, but Rutgers at home, they know that's a game. Rutgers knows that that's a game that they could win. They'll come out ready to play. And then they played Nebraska, Illinois at home at the Northwestern at Iowa. They're really like three games on the schedule that you might give Purdue a chance to win. Uh, Indiana, according to uh, Bill Connolly's S and P plus and ESPN's, uh, FPI football power index. I use major favorites against Purdue on the road and should make it five in a row. But uh, Purdue could be dangerous. Uh, you know, seeing what Jeff Brom's going to yeah. do with uh, with David Blau is going to be interesting. So don't sleep on the Boilermakers. Uh, but it's going to be another long year uh, in West Lafayette. But they might have they might have a, a light at the end of the tunnel there. Uh, so, TJ, uh, before we run out of time, let's get Big Ten West predictions in. Sure, I'll go, uh, go bottom to top. Uh, number seven, Illinois. Six, Purdue. Of any of this, but I'll go with uh, with five. I'm going to go Nebraska. Four, I'm going to go uh, Iowa. Three, I'm going to go um, – I'm going to go Northwestern. And two, I will row the boat. Yuma, Minnesota Golden Gophers at two, um, and then that's largely due to uh, due to schedule. And then number one, Wisconsin in a walkaway uh, victory in the Big Ten West. I think they stroll into the Big Ten title game at eleven and one uh, with a outside shot to make the college football playoff. But realistically, due to their schedule, probably playing the role of spoiler against the Big Ten East champ uh, and also giving themselves a chance to go to a uh, to a Rose Bowl. So um, I'll go with the Badgers there. Number one, I think two through five are take your pick and, you know, kind of uh, – and then number 
six and seven clearly at the bottom, and I'm going with Purdue over Illinois. I believe in their offense a lot more than uh, than I do any unit on Illinois. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I'll go top to bottom. I think it's going to be Wisconsin's going to run away with the division. I see Northwestern being second, uh, Nebraska in third, Minnesota in fourth, Iowa in fifth, Purdue sixth, Illinois seventh. Uh, and that that does it for our uh, Big Ten West preview. So, guys, uh, send us your thoughts on on this. Follow us at Hoosier underscore Huddle, Huddle on Twitter. Uh, join us on Facebook. Don't forget, if you're shopping for your July 4th holiday and doing it on Amazon, check out our Amazon ads on, uh, on HoosierHuddle.com. It helps support our site at no extra cost to the buyer. Uh, that does it. We'll be back with more national football stuff on our next podcast, uh, which will get scheduled here soon. Uh, thanks for joining us, TJ. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. That does it for our Big Ten previews. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.